It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. One in seven U.S. residents is an immigrant, while one in eight residents is a native-born U.S. citizen with at least one immigrant parent. And 44 million immigrants comprise 14% of the nation's population. This morning is our first show of a two-part series on immigration. For more information on the show, more information on the topic of immigration, follow us on social media. On Facebook, follow us and like us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, follow us at Rodney Lear on air. And remember, you can also listen to the show anytime you like. Go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We begin our two-part series with the history of immigration locally. In the studio, we're joined by Mark Renute. Mark is a professor at Miami University. Mark reported on immigration with the Cincinnati Inquirer for over 25 years. Jeff Cease is a history reporter with the Cincinnati Inquirer. It's our pleasure to welcome Mark and Jeff to the show this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Well, it's nice to be here. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. All right. So let's start at the very beginning when we think of immigration. Uh, and let's start with the largest immigration population to come to this area, which I understand is the German population. What attracted the German population right here to Cincinnati, Jeff? Well, Cincinnati was one of the first uh, major cities to come out after the Revolutionary War. And so, you know, it kind of made sense for immigration to move to these more opportunities in the West. In particular, with the, uh, the German population, there was unrest going on in Germany in the Revolution. And so there was a lot of, of immigration in general coming um, from there. When people start settling, they bring in other people from those those backgrounds. So, you know, Germans are going to gravitate towards a city where there's already a German population. And it was doubling the population in Cincinnati every 10 years. It went from about 5% of uh, population in Cincinnati uh, was German in 1830. It was 30% in 10, 15 years. And uh, so, you know, they had more opportunity and they had a little more money to be able to actually buy land, start up businesses. So Cincinnati was kind of that you know, westward expansion. We don't think of Cincinnati as the West anymore, but it really was the original Western city. So it kind of made sense for uh, immigrants to come here because there were opportunities. Now, what were some of the biggest challenges when these immigrants, when they came here, um, here in Cincinnati, what are some of the biggest challenges they faced? Well, with a lot of immig- immigrants, the uh, language barrier is, is different. You know, the early settlers were uh, really came from England, and then you suddenly have these Germans coming in with a different language, a different culture. Um, they did a lot of different things like having more uh, saloons and parties and uh, music was part of their culture. And it was just different uh, than the people who had already been there. And that's the history of mankind is when someone comes in and they're different, there's there's uh, tension there. And so, you know, you see all the cartoons of that early period of caricaturing uh, Germans. And it's the same sort of thing you get now with other immigrant waves that uh, the Germans went through the same thing. The Irish went through the same thing. It just, um, they don't have the same culture. They don't have the same language necessarily. And um, there's going to be tension for quite a while. The other thing that's real interesting is, you know, many people know over the Rhine is OTR now, Mm -hmm. is the hot place that's gentrifying and redeveloping. 
but the the name over the Rhine was originally a derogatory name targeting the Germans who had settled in over the Rhine, and that name originated from the Miami Erie Canal being a canal, and it was referred to as the Rhine River. So when the Germans settled in over the Rhine, just north of the Central Business District, and you can still see German language on some of the buildings, the term over the Rhine was a derogatory one targeting that community of German settlers. Okay. And so likewise, I'm thinking is um, years ago I had Buddy LaRosa's on the show, and he talked about um, working and living in the bottoms. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this area, if you will, and what do you guys know about that area? Well, the bottoms was really kind of the uh, blue-collar area of um, the workers close to the river. It's kind of like from 6th Street down to the Ohio River. And they had, uh, you know, the, the dock workers, the stevedores, and the roustabouts, and all these different. And they had little enclaves of ethnic groups. So you'd have an area that was the black population, an area that was the Italian area that's the... Um, the Irish, the German, the you know Chinese. It's it was a melting pot, if you will. But each one almost had like a block or two, and so that was a great deal of racial tension in that because there was a competition for the same jobs, the same locations, um, and that was generally the poorer part of Cincinnati. Um, and so they had their own churches, they had their own. Uh, you lived, you worked, you worshipped. Everything was in that tight area all near the river and as the city developed they started wiping that away they bring in the freeways they tear down these things so those people then need to move and as they move they spread out to other areas and so groups go to the west end and then when the freeway comes in the west end then they, that group of people need to find somewhere else and they go to avondale and the people in avondale go to somewhere else and it's just this migration of a lot, a lot of times ethnic groups um racial groups that are separating and, you know, because they, people still gravitate towards people who are like them. All right. Makes sense. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to part one of our two part series on immigration. I'm Rodney Lear. For more information on the show, more information on our guest, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday morning magazine with Rodney Lear, head there now, like us there now and follow us there now. Now in the studio with me, we're joined by Mark Cronute. Mark is with uh, Miami University. He was a reporter with the Inquirer for 25 years, reporting on immigration and things like that. Jeff Cease is with the Inquirer. He's the history reporter there. Now, let's talk about this now. How has the early German immigrant population, how have they impacted our current culture, heritage, and local traditions here in Cincinnati? Well, it pretty much is the heritage. Uh, you know, we don't have the second largest Oktoberfest in the world for no reason. Um, but, you know, seriously, the, you know, the, the brewery district in Over the Rhine, that's, you know, German you know, companies and started off. The um, music hall is, you know, it was these German singing societies, the uh, Sanger Fests, that um, was what brought those in, which set up ZSO and all those different things. So a lot of the arts came out of that German um, connection and Cincinnati it, it really is kind of a city of immigrants um, but ge- the German push in the 1830s and 40s and 50s was so massive at the time that Cincinnati was evolving to becoming this major city we were the sixth largest city in the country in 1850 which is kind of mind-boggling to think of now and so that culture is just ingrained more so than elsewhere we had German language newspapers um, 
you know, it it was just part of what Cincinnati is, is pretty much in the German. And clearly part of that lasting thing, as Jeff mentioned, you have the brewery history, the beer history, uh, the Oktoberfest, and then another point was the ca- the Germans brought Catholicism in mm-hmm. large scale. Uh, you know, the story of Old St. Mary's Church and over the Rhine, which uh, was built originally by with bricks baked in the homes of mm-hmm. the German immigrants. And so Catholicism's heavy influence here being the dominant faith community also stems from that migration, that massive migration of Germans as well. Yeah, I mean, there was an Irish migration, and, and Purcell, Archbishop Purcell, was Irish, but he recognized the German uh, Catholics and had German-language uh, churches specifically. So, um, you know, there was... And, and while German is the major, there are others. You know, it, this is a huge melting pot. Um, you know, Jewish influence. There's a lot of, of, of Jewish immigrants, a lot of them from German, um, the, the Irish, the Italians, Buddy LaRosa. <laughs> you know, the, um, the, there was a lot of other things. The German, it kind of gets that. We think of it kind of Cincinnati as a German city. Okay. So let's talk about the Great Migration. So what? how did that impact um, here in Cincinnati? What did we see here historically? Well, in general, you know, Cincinnati was a, it's in the north. Um, and so when slavery was still around, people who would either flee slavery or became free, um, this was the free area by and large. And um, it wasn't always perfect. There was future slave acts and things like that that, that um, didn't still made it difficult. Um, there was a lot of the Underground Railroad through this area, but when particularly after uh, slavery was abolished, um, this was suddenly a place with more opportunity. And so there was a big influx of African-Americans. It could easily just come up from, you know, Kentucky the and the South, yeah, yeah. even before the Great Migrations, more the Deep South, but even the early ones, because it's like, well, this is a place that there's a little more opportunity. It was not by any means a rosy picture in Cincinnati. It's a very segregated uh, place still, but there were a lot more opportunities here than there would have been previously. Okay, Mark? When you when you talk to a lot of people who are African-American, uh, they identify with their people come from Georgia or Alabama um, as part of that migration. And Jeff had referred to um, when the bottoms was redeveloped and even before that west end really was the because like jeff said this place was far from perfect even though it was essentially free and african-americans coming from the south were often forced to live by again segregation was legal Uh, separate but equal was the law of the land under plessy versus ferguson and so you had at one point by the mid 20th century, there were about 72,000 African-Americans living in the city of Cincinnati. Half of that population was squeezed into West End. And, you know, fast forwarding to post-war, which uh, post-World War II, which is when the Great Migration was continuing to escape Jim Crow in the South before Brown versus Education, before the Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, et cetera, the mid-60s. You had large numbers of African-Americans in West End, and then you had the redevelopment, the federal redevelopment under housing, urban, and development in post-war America, which brought in Interstate 75, which displaced thousands of African-Americans. And then you further had the development of Queensgate 
the neighborhood of Queensgate, which at that time was known as Kenyon Bar. It was the lowest, the, the most southern element of, of um, West End, which would to be to the west of Interstate 75, basically the site of Old Crosley Field, the post office a little farther south. And that was the single largest clearance project in the United States with 5,000 households, about 94% of them African-American being moved out. And then um, because at that point the city still controlled where African-Americans could live, the real estate companies were all involved in that redlining. Um, Then you saw, as Jeff mentioned earlier, that migration of African-Americans moved to what was called the Valley which was the area between Walnut Hills and Avondale, where there were some professional African-American families living. So class is intersectional with race in in any city's development. And so you had large numbers of African-Americans then being allowed to move to Avondale. And so Avondale really became the community spirit of West End was somewhat transplanted into Avondale. And then you had the Jewish population working, you know, well, uh, again, a, uh, an alliance, uh, you know, mutual dependence. But as the African-American population increased in Avondale, the Jewish population moved north on Reading Road into Roselawn and even farther north into some of the suburban areas. So there were people I've interviewed um, whose families were displaced first by Interstate 75 construction, and then maybe five years later when Interstate 71 was built, they were in the valley, and then they were displaced again for the construction of Interstate 71. So really what you have in our history uh, as a city, as as a large metropolitan area, as a large city, is similar to what you've had in almost every other large northern city in this country, which is the displacement of African Americans at kind of the whim of development or social advancement. And and sadly, I think we still see that to some degree today. I wanted to point up on, on you're talking about the differences between, you know, like the Great Migration coming in versus, you know, immigrants from, you know, Europe. And a big difference is that the time, you know, it's been 150, 200 years since some of these um, groups had come in where and you know, the language isn't as much of a problem anymore, um, and they're Caucasian. And so the they kind of became the mainstream. But other immigrants have not only language, but, you know, skin color and culture and are later. So they haven't had as much time to be the immigrants. And so um, it's, a, it's kind of a, a similar experience, but it's a different experience. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. You're listening to part one of our two-part series on immigration. For more information on the show, you can always like us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and follow us there as well. This morning, we're speaking to Jeff Cease. He's with The Inquirer. He's a history reporter there. We're also speaking to Mark Knute. He's with Miami University. He reported on immigration for 25 years with The Cincinnati Inquirer. Now, let's talk, and you alluded to this a little bit, Jeff, but let's talk more about more recently the number of Hispanic immigrants that we see um, coming to this area seems to be growing. What are some of the factors that are leading our Hispanic immigrants here to the city? Well, as Jeff as Jeff said, um, the newer arrivals have additional, again, whatever group was coming in, Italians, Germans, Irish, whoever was the most recent group to come here faced some 
discrimination, you know, just because their culture was different off in their language. But clearly when you have racial uh, and ethnic differences as opposed to European similarities, the many similarities of European countries. So Cincinnati really has very little immigration in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it pretty much stops at the end of the 19th century. And so by the 1990s, you start seeing an influx of uh, Central American, uh, Mexican immigration here, um, driven by economic conditions in their home countries, whether, you know, we have a large Guatemalan population here, you know, issues with agriculture and political instability in Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, uh, southern Mexico, uh, poverty really being a main driver where you will have traditionally the male, the father of a family come into the country without authorization and find work, uh, construction, landscaping, and will send money home to the family um, in Central America so they can eat, so that children can be educated. And increasingly, Cincinnati, I think the same things as Jeff described when it was one of the largest cities in the country and in the, the, the queen city of the West, as we're known, um, those factors still remain true into the late 20th century because of the diverse economy. You have agriculture, you have industry, you have transportation. This is a, a transportation hub. Um, we had a great deal of construction going on in the banks with the two stadiums in, in the 1990s and, and so on and so forth. And so the Latino population, Hispanic population really starts to grow and gets footholds in some of the lower income neighborhoods, such as Lower Price Hill, uh, North and South Fairmount, up into Carthage, uh, again, kind of Mill Creek um, neighborhoods, uh, you know, through the city. And they continue, as Jeff said, because they, there becomes a critical mass and there is somewhat success or a community that just, uh, you know, people bring family members, people bring relatives, bring friends, and a larger community develops. And so really, um, in the 1990s, you had the establishment of, uh, like many city churches, the, again, the Catholic, Catholic Church being one of the most dominant cultures and institutions in our city, in our region, begins the, because of migration in city neighborhoods, begin to close some of their, their church buildings. One that was closed was St. Charles Borromeo in Carthage, which then became the Hispanic cultural church, where basically you had Spanish language masses beginning in the mid-1990s. The abandoned school right there uh, at that parish became uh, Sucasa Hispanic Center, a social service center, part of Catholic Charities. And it just helped drive um, the population. And again, because we hadn't seen that in any numbers similar to Texas, California, Arizona, again, this uh, Florida, these are relatively new arrivals beginning to uh, form a larger community, and they face blowback from some of the white established population. Uh, however, uh, people in Carthage and even East Price Hill will tell you that the Latino uh population growth helped to spur business development. Uh, There's three or four uh, Mexican or Guatemalan-owned businesses on Vine Street in Carthage. There are increasing numbers of businesses uh, on Warsaw Avenue and East Price Hill. So you begin to see these communities coming, but 
you know, I, I think we saw under the Trump administration the blowback against immigrants or refugees who are not white. And, um, you know, some of those tensions are played out again, historically everywhere uh, are played out in Cincinnati. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to part one of our two-part series on immigration. For more information on the show, more information on our guests, more information on our topic, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and follow us there now as well. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Or you can like us on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on Air. Joining me in the studio this morning is Mark Cranute. He is a professor at Miami University. He reported on immigration for over 25 years with the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're also joined by Jeff Cease. Jeff is a history reporter with the Cincinnati Inquirer. Now let's talk about the refugee population here in Cincinnati. What can you tell us and what do we know? Mark. Well, what we know is Catholic Charities, part of the Catholic Church, of course, here, Uh, worked with the federal government beginning in the late 1970s to resettle South Vietnamese immigrants after the fall of Saigon in 1975. Uh, Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program continued to work with the federal government, with the uh, State Department, and has brought large numbers of Bhutanese uh, refugees here, as well as uh, Central African immigrants from various countries um, that have settled, again, similar where housing is available. We have a large Mauritanian population in Lachlan in the Forest Park, but that continues today. And the refugee population will often, uh, especially the African population, will settle in areas that are predominantly African-American to try to blend in. Okay. Now let's talk about this now, something that we don't often hear about. I think a lot of people may not hear about, but let's talk about the professional um, immigrants that we see coming to this city because we have a large hub, um, one of the biggest um, corporations in, in the world right here, located right here in Cincinnati. So we see professional immigrants moving to this area. Is that right? Correct. You have, again, as I think you're referring to Procter & Gamble, which mm-hmm. is a, a multinational company or an international company based here. And I know several people who have come here for Procter & Gamble from Mexico and maybe move on to different work. You also have, um, in addition, General Electric, you have uh, Chiquita was here for many years. So you've had these businesses headquartered here that would do business internationally, Procter & Gamble being primarily the other one, the main one. But in in academia, you have the University of Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. University of Cincinnati Medical Center and Children's Hospital Medical Center, all of which have been major draws where people will come from all over the world to go to uh, medical school at the University of Cincinnati, or they will come, uh, you know, they will be educated in the United States, whether it's in medicine or engineering. And those, you know, the reason we've had the growth in STEM education in this country is there has been a shortage of science, medicine, and uh, engineering in this country, the sciences. So um, to meet the demands in this country for labor, uh, in the early 70s, the federal government established the H-1B visa program, which with a minimum of a bachelor's degree, if earned in the United States, you were allowed to gain that visa and stay here as a professional. And so we have, you know, Jeff mentioned earlier about, again, the bottoms, and it's so important to understand that classism 
as it does in mainstream society also permeates into, you know, class structure and stratification affect the immigrant and refugee populations as well, primarily the immigrants. So you have this higher professional, well-educated immigration to Cincinnati that's fueled um, by, again, the universities, by, you know, really the large medical hub that we have up there in uh, Coryville and Avondale, you know, with Children's and the University of Cincinnati Medical Center being the hub of that both with the research, the education, and again, Children's Hospital, which is global, has global reach, treats patients from, you know, children and families from all over the country. You know, we have the largest Ronald McDonald House in the country now, you know, to, to take care of those families that come here. So again, those professionals that may come internationally to get educated or to begin working here are allowed to stay under the H-1B program, but that also has faced blowback from, again, people that have a more nationalistic view of, of the country and say that has created unfair labor opportunities or job opportunities for foreigners because they will work for less money than an American would. And so it's a very complicated issue. But if you're looking at how and why we have developed increasingly, probably over the last generation and a half to two generations, the H-1B and professional in, you know, import of talent is a big part of that. I was going to say that the, uh, there's also a wide range, you know, you're getting from, you know, the immigration in the past might be because things are going poorly in our home countries, the potato famine in Ireland, the unrest in Germany, the things in Mexico and Guatemala. But these, these professionals, they are coming from all over. You have Asia, you have Saudi Arabia, um, you know, all these different things. And they're not necessarily coming in big waves. There may be individuals. And so it's going to be a very different, it's probably too early to really draw conclusions, but I think it's going to be a, a, a very different sort of feel yeah, and again, this years. is not unique to Cincinnati, no, no. you know, and, and I think one of the other last points I'd make is you you clearly have, uh, as Jeff mentioned, uh, the Middle East, you have um, a very well-established now 25, 30-year-old, the Cincinnati Islamic Center up in Westchester Township, which again is is a very professional community of medical people, professionals, and uh, originally that was a concentration of Jordanian immigrants that founded that uh, community, but you have Syrians, you have, and again, that is a very high level, a uh, high level of education in that community with a lot of medical lawyers, engineers, um, but again, brought here and able to settle here through some of the incentives provided by the federal government. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Miami University professor Mark Cranute, also speaking to Jeff Cease with the Cincinnati Inquirer. They're here this morning to talk about the history of immigration here in Cincinnati as part one of our two-part series on immigration. Now, gentlemen, as we wrap up, what's your final thoughts on immigration here in Cincinnati? Well, immigrants are here to stay. I mean, unless you're indigenous American, you are an immigrant. Your, your family is immigrants. And it, it clearly for African-Americans, that was a different story um, with the enslavement. But um, it's here to stay, but it becomes a flashpoint. And, you know, Cincinnati now has, I believe, um, after the immigration and refugee resettlement beginning in the mid-1970s, 1980s, so for the last 40 years, you know, people are here to stay. I think it adds a great deal uh, to the sophistication of the region, to the 
excitement of the region, uh, diversity, of course, and, and I think we're all better for it. Okay. Jeff, final thoughts? As I said before, we are a city of immigrants, you know, um, that they've just come in, in different periods in history, and we're in a different period right now, and we're going to have to see where it all goes. But as Mark said, it's not going to go away. Um, it's just the next phase, um, and it's worth looking at how we have handled or mostly poorly in the past, but how it was handled to kind of educate ourselves to accept what is coming. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me this morning. I've learned so much just sitting in this chair and listening to you guys. Very enlightening. I'm so glad that you guys made time out of your schedule to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We've been speaking to Mark Cranute with Miami University and Jeff Cease with the Cincinnati Inquirer. And again, you're listening to part one of our two-part series on immigration. For more information on the show, more information on our guests, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, and follow us there. 